0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Watermark Church podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now let's dive in as we continue our Attitude of Gratitude series. I love that. Attitude of gratitude. I, it's amazing in this time of craziness with the elections and everything going with COVID that it's so easy to listen to have a bent towards a, you know what I'm saying, a different kind of attitude or complain or just why or what's going on or whatever it may be, however you may be feeling. It's interesting because I feel no matter what positive or negative you're feeling, we have to have an attitude check. And here's what we're saying. If you're going to have an attitude, make sure it's gratitude. Everybody stand up this morning. I'm just going to read this verse. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-seven. our verse of the series says this, but thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Thanks to him, because through Christ, he's given you. Think about that. Not because of us, but because of him, he's given you the victory. The quote I read last week is this, the beginning of man's rebellion against God, and is, continues to be, at a point, an unthankful heart. It's interesting, because I will start the series always by saying, we just need to have, just like your car needs to have a diagnostic check engine light come on check we need to have an engine light check of our heart if there's attitude if we are being more negative or more gossipy or more complaining there needs to be an attitude check that is showing that there's something going on deep in here that's unhealthy that there is some weeds growing in the garden of our heart that need to be pulled amen and it's, so it's interesting that um as, as we say this, one of the things I said last week is this, it's not, it's not happy people who are grateful, it's grateful people who are happy, people who know how grateful they are, people who know their blessings. Matthew 19, 24 talks about just being rich. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of the needle than for someone to be rich, and, and I think about that verse, I always said that's not me. But when we think that the average income of an American is around $38,000, I'll tell you this, that 40% in this world live on two, less than $2 a day. Less, 15% live on less than a dollar a day. You might be thinking, I'm not rich. Maybe not according to your neighborhood or, or your friends, or maybe not according to other people you watch, but according to the world standards, it says this, is that if you have a car, a, a phone, if you, you have a, uh, a TV, if you have a, a clean water, and you have spare change in your house, you're the top 9% richest person in the world. Think about that for a second. We are just grateful. Have you ever thanked God for spare change? Have you ever thanked God for this? and so. I think we just need to pray, because my my prayer for us this series is this, that God, help me remove the gap between what I believe and how I live. Lord, help that become, Lord, I pray for this morning. Lord, I just pray in Jesus' name, help us to see you in a new and a fresh way. I pray, help us to be grateful, Lord, for what you have done. Lord, I thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, before you sit down and turn to someone says, if you're going to have an attitude and then grab a seat, that would be great. Right, right. In the words of my dad, beautiful, beautiful. We, um, I heard this quote this past week about being grateful. It says, when it comes to life, the critical thing is whether you take things for granted or you take them for gratitude. Isn't that awesome? Are you taking things for granted Are you taking things for gratitude? Today, I'm just going to be pretty practical today, and I'm going to talk about a couple um, gratitude killers of thoughts that we have in our heads. Things that kill our gratefulness, things that kill mindsets that we may have that may deter us from being grateful. Because I'll be honest with you, most people don't wake up every morning, hear the alarm go off, and go, and have a song in their head, and go, oh, another day. Anybody do that? <laughs> nobody does that? No, nobody lives in this musical fairyland of, like, there's always, my wife makes fun of me, because I always have a song on my head, and when I wake up, but listen, you don't wake up naturally, and just, it's like you don't float, like a kids movie, and just kind of walk around, and everything's magical. You, you kind of have to get started a little bit, You're kind of working through an attitude. You're kind of working through, and I'm not saying it's negative. I'm just saying, listen, perspectively, we just have to. Sometimes we kind of tend to be a little bit worst-case scenario. We tend to be almost doom and gloom. We tend to be this way, and I'm telling you, no matter what may happen today or this week or this year, we need to be people who thank God, amen, amen, I, I, I get a little upset sometimes when there's more. Oh, well, we'll talk about that in a second. So here we go. First thing I want to say, gratitude killers that ruin your attitude, number one is the word entitlement. Entitlement means this, getting caught up in what I think I deserve. It's this amazing mentality because this, this is one of those things where um, uh, you always think of somebody else right away when you think of the word entitlement and you never think about yourself that you feel entitled? Well, you think, well, that person I know feels entitled, but not me. It's interesting because in, as you look about this, it's almost like a special privilege, like I deserve this. Here's some things I wrote down. That feel that the word owes you something, that people owe you something without having to do anything for it. Maybe that I'm exempt from responsibility, or I am owed special treatment. Maybe it's wanting to have what you have without doing what you did to get it. Feeling entitled. How often in our Christian life do we lose our sense of gratitude because we have a sense of entitlement? Because I've always got this, or because of what I did, or because I deserve this. I'm telling you, a lot of people make mistakes because mentally they use the excuse saying, I deserve it. I did a lot. Maybe I can sneak my way. Maybe I can cheat on this. Maybe I can do, maybe I can steal. Maybe I can do this because I'm entitled. And so it's interesting what begins to happen with this. This begins to skew, and this entitlement becomes narcissistic. It becomes about you. And so we get messed up when we begin to see the benefits and the blessings of God, are things that we are entitled to. I get grace. It's almost like you start thinking, I deserve grace. We, we say things like, like, I'm doing this for God, so God should do this for me. You might be thinking, well, I don't, I'm not entitled. Well, so many times I talk to people who say, well, I prayed and God didn't do this. And sometimes, Listen, that is a step of faith, but sometimes that's just like almost entitlement saying, well, I went through this. Listen, I love what Dave Ramsey says. He says this, entitlement begins where thanksgiving ends. Entitlement mentality begins when we stop being thankful. Entitlement is the enemy of gratefulness. We feel like we just deserve it. You can't be grateful for something and feeling entitled for it at the same time. Whatever you feel entitled to, you can't be grateful for. The moment that we start to think that we deserve something is the moment that we cease to be thankful for it. This is why even honoring the vets is important because we sit there and saying, this is almost like my right to have freedom. And I'm, I would say it's our responsibility to keep our freedom, right? Because honestly, what we see is rights and responsibilities and all these kind of things. And I would say, listen, in our hearts, we got to say, how do we fight this mentality? we just got to be grateful. This is a really dumb story, but it's super true. We are blessed to be in this school. About four years ago, when we first started this Watermark Church, if you didn't know, here's how we first started. We had a trailer that we put all the church into, okay? Nobody who on a team at that time owned a truck. I would have to rent a U-Haul pickup every Saturday night, go to the storage unit on Sunday morning with the U-Haul pickup, hook up our church trailer, drive it here to the school, and then we would have to unload the trailer, set up for church, even in the middle of winter, then load it back up, hook, you know what I'm saying, you know what I'm saying, bring it back to the storage unit, disconnect it, drive the pickup truck, the U-Haul truck, back to the U-Haul place, drop it off by three o'clock every Sunday afternoon. That was our, that was what we did. I'm not saying because I'm complaining, I'm saying here's the story. About two months, two years into our journey, the school came to us and said, how would you feel about having a closet, storage closet? We're like, (laughs) game changer. And so if you guys have noticed, we don't drive a trailer anymore. This is what I told our team. We have the storage here, but it can be gone at any moment. We can't be mad when we don't get it anymore because it was never entitled to us. It was given to us. There's a story I said a few years ago about... This is not a true story, but if it was a true story, let's just say I went to a friend's house every single day. Let's just say Jeff Gaynor and I, let's say Jeff, I know Jeff, lov- Jeff loves to be on the spot, so here we go, Jeff. Jeff's sitting at home, five o'clock, he gets home at work, and he gets home at every day, five o'clock, and i gets a knock on the door, and there's a person there with a $20 bill, and he hands it to Jeff, and he goes, this is for you, walks away. That's pretty cool, like that's a cool day. I didn't do anything for that, that's awesome. Next day, Jeff gets home, takes a shower, goes hunting, comes back by five o'clock, knock on the door, same thing. guy. Same guy, hands him 20 bucks. And he's like, I didn't do anything. That's pretty awesome. Next day, guess what? Let's say the guy comes back again, 50 bucks. This happens every single day. And all of a sudden, after a week, it's at $100, and it's happening every day. $100, $100, $100. You, by chance, you have to know that Jeff is at home every day at 5 o'clock to get $100. Is this not true. This is, let's just say this is going on for like five weeks, and Jeff is like, I'm going to buy a new boat, <laughs> I'm going to get a new vehicle. I'm going to buy a new bow. <laughs> like, I'm getting a hundred bucks by not doing anything. And all of a sudden, one day, he's waiting, salivating at the door going, a hundred bucks? And there's no knock. So he goes, oh, maybe you guys sick. Maybe he has COVID. <laughs> Next day, no knock. He's like, where's this guy at? Next day, no knock. And now he's getting mad. Not that Jeff would do this because he's really nice and he would never get mad about this, but Listen, you start getting mad, you're like, dude, I've got this for five weeks. I'm not getting this anymore. Like, can I kind of just say, as people, this is what we tend to be like. We don't. We're not thankful for the gu- the money we got for five weeks. We're mad that we stopped getting that blessing. <laughs> Listen, I, I wonder in life. We've been given so much. We have been given so much. Are we thanking God for what we've already been given? Are we thanking God or do we feel like I'm entitled for more? It's interesting because when in Steve Furtick says this, Pastor says, when entitlement is high, gratitude is low. When gratitude is high, entitlement is low. Gratitude begins when sense of entitlement ends. We are not entitled. And there's a word in scripture I want to teach you. We are entrusted. Entrusted means to charge or to invest or to give somebody responsibility. That you trust somebody with something. Biblically, it's, it's, re, it's being received. God has entrusted. God has given it to you. He has entrusted it. For me, I, I have been given my four beautiful kids. God has given me response. God has entrusted me to be the dad of these four beautiful kids. God has entrusted me to lead this church with our team. God has entrusted us to, to do this. God has entrusted you with your own responsibilities. And so it's not that it's entitled, it's that he has entrusted and given it to you. And so we are stewards of this entrustment. We are stewards of what God has given us. We don't own it. We are entrusted with it. And you are not entitled. We are entrusted. And I will say this. We, forgiveness, salvation, these things are given by the Lord. They're ones that He gave us. We're not entitled to Grace, (laughs) he's freely given us grace and salvation. Number two is this, and I think this is a hard one: is comparing. Second Corinthians 10 10, 12 says this: we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with someone who condemns themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. When I lived in Brainerd, we built this house, my wife and I helped build this house, and we built kind of our dream house up there. One of the things we didn't do, I wish I regretted, is that we never sodded it. We decided to lay our own grass, it was all dirt, so we decided to grow our own grass with seed, which took forever, and it was dirty, and took forever, but I won't ever remember looking back in my yard, I couldn't grow grass in my front, I couldn't grow grass in my back very well, but it and Behind my house, in the middle of my house, is the greenest grass I've ever seen in my entire life. I'm like, this is lush. And I kept on wondering, how am I growing grass so good there and I'm doing the same thing I'm doing everywhere? And then it dawned on me, the grass was over top of the septic system. Many years later, I heard a quote that says, we look at, our, we look at people and compare our stories to their stories, but we realize that um, the grass may be greener on the other side of the fence, but the grass is always greener over the septic tank. It's interesting because the reason I say that is, is that as we look at this, it's so easy to look at people's lives and say, well, the grass may be greener on the other side of the fence. But the grass is always greener where we water it, and the grass is always greener where we take care of it. But I will say this: in order to take care of your own yard, take care of your own place. We gotta be people who don't compare. It's easy to get into this comparison trap. I know when I give my kids snacks, all the parents might say this is, whether it be goldfish or Cheez-Its or whatever it may be, I pour snacks out. One of the first things my kids will do is count out how many snacks they get. Anybody else, any other kids do this? The reason they're doing this is because if there's more than one kid, they're trying to make sure it's fair. trying to make sure everybody gets the same amount. They don't want to have less than somebody else. And so, so this is because they want to make sure the piles are distributed equally. That, and so they test the fairness rather than being grateful for the gift they've been given of cheez But I think as adults, we are not immune to this behavior because we are constantly comparing ourselves to other people, afraid that God has shortchanged our lives. And we wonder why our lives don't match with somebody else's life. I want to read this. The grass truly does always seem greener on the other side. It's easy to look at the people around us and assume that they're so much better off than we are. We see their perfect looking lawn and their perfect looking life on social media and assume that their lives are happier and more fulfilling than our own. Sometimes, though, many of us find ourselves doing the opposite. We'll look at someone of limited means, or someone who's sick of suffering and assume that God cannot possibly be good to them in the midst of their pain. And we look at their life and our lives and wonder why it doesn't measure up. But what we really need to do is say, we need to stop comparing our lives, experiences, livelihoods, because I'll tell you this, comparison kills compassion. Comparison kills Compassion. It's hard to love your neighbor when you're constantly competing and comparing what you have to what they have. It's hard to be thankful for what you have when you're constantly comparing it's not as good as that person. You might love your car, but as soon as your neighbor comes with the same kind of car but two years newer, you're saying, my car is not as good as it used to be. Maybe you look at somebody else's marriage. Maybe you look at somebody else's kids, and you say, my kids are not as good as those kids. Maybe you say something else, maybe it's a job, maybe it's something else, but I'm telling you, can I just tell you this? Comparison kills our thankfulness, our gratefulness, and it kills our hearts. It It kills our compassion for other people. What it does is you falsely judge other people based upon your own situations, without really knowing what's going on. It's hard to be thankful and comparing at the same time. The last thing I will say is this, is discontent. I will say within a church world, when we talk about entitlement, we work through that. When we talk about comparing, we all deal with that. Discontent is one of those things that we don't talk about enough, but that breeds inside of us. Some people are just saying, I just, I'm not happy, I'm not, I'm not settled, I'm not this, I'm not this. And I'm going to tell you this, discontent really means when what I have is not enough. When we are discontent, we are saying what I have in my hands is not enough. Philippians 4, 11 through 13 says this, I am not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Can I just tell you right now, if you're taking notes, please highlight that, memorize it, think it through, because I think this is so important. i it mean, again, I am not saying that because I am in need, for I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. I know that what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who strengthens me. Isn't that awesome? I can do all this through him that strengthens me. I think what happens is us People who are discontent are people who focus on what they don't have because it's not enough. Grateful people focus on not what they lack, but more on what God has already given them. Grateful people focus on what they have, what they've been given. But I'm telling you, the enemy, Satan wants you to focus on what you don't have. God wants us to look at what we have, what's in your hands. I love the story in the beginning when God called Moses, who was part of the palace and then fled to the mountains after he made a mistake and then spent time in there and then years and then God called him through a burning bush and you all know the story in the burning bush and God called him and he kept on making excuses saying I stutter I'm, I'm slow in speech I can't do this I made a mistake you know my past I can't lead anybody and he just he just started talking about all the things he can't do and I love God's response to him and he says this You're talking about things that you don't have. You say you don't have. And he says this one question. What's in your hand? I I love the Lord asking this question. Because he's pretty much saying, what do you got? What do you have? And he goes, all I have is a staff. He says, throw it down. And you guys know the story. One time it becomes a snake. And he says, You're going to lead that staff, and listen, that staff, I'm not saying there's magic in that staff, but God used him in that staff. He hit the rock, and you know what I'm saying, lifted the staff, and the waters parted. He hit the rock, and water came out, and listen, and is that, in those moments, he says, what do you have in your hand? What do you got? I think as believers, we spend more time thinking what we don't have, where we should spend more time saying, God. This is what I do have. How can I use it to glorify you? Am I using what you've given me to glorify you? I think we spend so much time thinking of what we don't have. I wish I had this. I wish I had this. I wish I had more of this. I wish I had more of this. And I'm saying, listen, what has God given you? Because when you think of and you are grateful what God has given you, you want to give it back to the Lord and say, God, how can you use this? And how can I give it to you for your glory? As a parent, I'll be honest with you. If I see my kids destroying their things, their toys, I'm, any parents want to give your kids more stuff if they're destroying their stuff? Hm. All the parents are saying, No, of course. You're thinking like, you give your kids a cell phone, they lose it every day. You don't want to give them another cell phone. Not a youth kid anyway. You give your kids different things and they lose it or they break it. If they don't learn how to take care of it, you don't want to give them more. I'm not saying the Lord is always this way, but I know the Lord is saying, what do you have? And are you using what you have to fulfill what he's called you to do? And are you grateful and thankful for what's in your hands. Because the best thing we can do is take what's in our hands, our responsibilities, and give it to the Lord. This is a person who is grateful. It's amazing to me because I believe being content really is realizing is being grateful what God has already given you. And giving it back to the Lord. Hebrews 13, 5 through 6 is this. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Isn't that awesome? Be content with what God has given you. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do for me? Isn't it awesome? We always like, share that one verse. But it's the verse before that says, I will be content. Think about that. I will be content. Keep your lives free. Not, it doesn't say from money. It says from the love of money. And be content with what you have. Because God said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Be content because, listen, can we live this way? I get the worship team up here. Philippians 4.11 says again, not that I have ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Listen, to be grateful means you're fighting against entitlement. To be grateful is that you're fighting against comparing. And I would say the opposite. When these things start coming into your head, you start comparing. You start looking at things. You start wondering. I would say that is the check engine light that you need to look at as saying, where's my thankfulness and gratefulness? What am I doing what God has? When you start feeling entitled, when you don't get the position at work that you feel like you deserve, when you don't get recognition, When you get looked over and you feel like you're second place or you don't get what you need or want, we need to look at saying this. I want to close with this thought. Just want you to think about the cross for a second. Only he can do what he did. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. If you want to look at gratefulness, if you got nothing else in this life, but you got Jesus and you got salvation and you got grace, isn't that what Paul was saying? That's all you need. what he is saying. He says we're not entitled to it. He says we don't get what we deserve. That's what grace is. God says I, I've given you love. I'm giving you grace. I've forgiven your sins. I'm closer than the brother. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I, I came down from heaven to earth to love you, to die for you, to, to give it up for you. That is it. If all we have is it, you should worship like crazy the rest of your life. Amen. Because isn't it the same scripture? And the song even says, by grace by which I stand. That's it. All you have is God's love and grace. That's all you need. You plus the Lord is all you need. And I'm telling you, as Christian believers, I believe there's so many people who are listening to me online or here who are selling yourself short because what comparing does, hear me out, you are comparing your story, which you don't think is there, to somebody else's story, and you're missing God's story for your life. You're so consumed by everybody else's story that you're missing the story that God's trying to do in you. We're so focused on what we don't have that we don't realize how much God has for you. And if the enemy can get you focused over here, you're not going to be concerned with what God has for you over here. And I'm saying... There is more that God has for us. We just got to move from being these thoughts to saying, God, I'm after you. I thank you. I'm grateful for you. I love you. Work in my heart. Everybody stand up this morning. I think it's interesting that Paul keeps on saying over and over again. If you're missing thankfulness, you're missing a lot. There's a check engine light if you're not grateful. I would say for us, I encourage a lot of you lives last week, and I encourage you again, have a grateful journal. Write in your journal this week. Write every single day for the next this whole series. Write down every day. And I would say, not just in the beginning of the day, but at the end of the day, write down things that you're th- grateful for. Everybody by here has close your eyes. If you're here this morning and you've ne- you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you need to make a decision, you don't know his love. I'm telling you, he died for you. He loves you so much. If you're here this morning or if you're listening online and you, you don't know that and you want to know that, I just want you to raise your hand up just so I can see you. It's awesome. Love to pray with you. Just take a few minutes here. Everybody, repeat after me, dear Jesus, I give you my heart. Be the Lord and the Savior of my life. Forgive me my sins. Help me to follow you. Holy Spirit, fill me up in Jesus' name. Amen. If you said that prayer, we want to pray with you. We want to meet with you. I have books and a Bible for you and everything. Listen, everybody look up here. Let's just be honest. If this morning you feel like you, you need an attitude check and you're feeling like there is some things, there's some entitlement comparing, and you're just saying I need to be more grateful and more thankful for what God has given me. I just want you to raise your hand. Just, let's just be honest. Let's just, I think it's a good sign for us to just, listen, this is a good starting point today. As, as ben, leads wor- ben and Mark lead worship, this is a good starting point. As you worship, say, worship is praising God for who He is and thanking Him for who He is. So let's worship this morning. Let's praise the Lord and give Him the thanks that He deserves. Amen? And let's just worship and give Him thanks. Go ahead, Ben. Thank you so much for tuning in with us today here at Watermark Church. If you have any questions or want to learn more, you can visit us at www.stillwatermark.com. Thank you.